Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be with you this day as we celebrate what our Lord has already done for us and anticipate what he will still do. So what time is it? Just a couple of weeks ago, we entered this time of, well, is it daylight wastings? That's what I call it sometimes. If it's daylight savings the other part of the year, then this part of the year seems like daylight wastings time. But here's a confession. My watch still says that it's 1026 because I just usually look at the minute hand anyway because I kind of know what hour it is. And so I looked down this morning and I realized, oh, I haven't adjusted my watch for the time change that happened on November 1st, two weeks ago today. I don't think I'm going to go the entire time so that it's accurate when we get back to the daylight savings part of the year, but um, I'll probably change it later today. What time is it? Have you ever gone on a trip and had uh, someone in the back seat, maybe who's about this old or so, regularly asking the question, are we there yet? (laughs) Are we there yet? Can we get there faster? Can we get through this time and arrive at the destination? Sometimes we get impatient. We want to arrive. We want to get where we're going. Psalm 90 at the end of what we read, had these two lines, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Recounting days lately. What day is this? Ever since the first Friday, the 13th of this year happened and the schools were closing and things were shutting down back in March, I've had a friend who's um, posted a, a song He grabs his guitar and he plays and he sings. I mean, some of them have been like campfire kinds of songs or things that um, maybe were like VBS songs. I haven't listened to all of them. But I took note that yesterday's was number 209 of his daily song offering to the world of Facebook and to his friends at least. I'm not sure if they're public posts or not. Today, as we think about this reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica and a message that we receive because it's, it's a word to the church, and it's that the time is now. The time is now, not that Jesus is arriving now, but the time is now to be prepared The time is now to be watching, to be waiting. And as we've talked the last couple of weeks, Jesus is coming. The day of the Lord will come. Verse 2 from this section of 1 Thessalonians 5 said this, You yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's been said elsewhere, that the day of the Lord would come like a thief. Jesus, in fact, said similar, that that he was going to return and that only God the Father knew the day or the hour, but be watching, be waiting, be ready. Because like a thief in the night. So it would come suddenly, without warning, 
Thieves don't generally schedule appointments. Con artists might, I guess, if they're you know, trying to talk to you about some you know, post-natural disaster or whatever, and you, know, you hear those stories, right? Past, after the wildfires that happen not far from here, and then people who arrive and you know, maybe are going to settle with someone's insurance, or maybe they're going to you know, schedule construction or, or rebuilding to happen, and they get the big deposit and disappear. Maybe they schedule an appointment, but the, the thief that Jesus has in mind and they, when he says it, and the Apostle Paul has in mind when he writes this to the church at Thessalonica, is the one who sneaks, you know, who, who comes unexpectedly, without announcement, without necessarily preparation. So stay prepared. If it's for a thief, what do you do? You lock the doors. When I was uh, turning in for the night last night, I made sure that our back door was closed and locked. That's the door that the dogs can go in and out without help if we leave it open a little. And it's nice when they can go in and out without help. (laughs) Otherwise, we're getting up so many times a day. But at night, I don't want that door left open. I don't want it propped so that anyone can enter our house. So be prepared. Keep watch. But the Apostle Paul goes on and and uses a different metaphor. It's like a thief in the night, but it's also sudden like labor pains. Moms know that labor pains arrive maybe suddenly, likely, right? When you're kind of minding your own business, (laughs) but not unexpectedly, right? Most of the time, at least, the mom knows that there's a baby. And so there's going to be labor pains at some point. Maybe early labor happens, and that's kind of a surprise because it's before the full term, but the labor pains arriving isn't so shocking most of the time. The day of the Lord will come. We should be watching and waiting because, like those labor pains that arrive, we know what is going to happen. We know what we can anticipate. But the world neither watches nor waits. This is what verse 3 said. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Peace and security. Lately, words like that are connected to this whole pandemic that we're dealing with, right? That there are people who are suggesting that, oh, peace and security, this thing is, is not a big deal. It's, it's really not as bad as they're telling you. You don't have to take precautions. You don't have to worry about it. Some people think it's a complete conspiracy. I'm kind of in the middle between complete conspiracy. Well, I'm not down that road. And the full-on, we should lock everything down. I'm somewhere in the middle of that. Hard to say what we really know and what is maybe overblown. But it's certainly not peace and security. There are people who are getting sick. There are people who have died. And families who are 
mourning those losses. But maybe you've seen people gather and have close contact with one another. I'll go walking a dog, um, one of our dogs, and I'll go down through a park, and near that park is a school. And I've seen a lot of times a basketball court pretty full of people, like 15 or 20 people on the court playing in one massive game. And I think, is that one household? (laughs) Sometimes we see those things, people who don't take seriously things that we know. Maybe it's related to social issues or ethnic concerns and people who are suggesting, no, there's peace. This isn't that significant. Or maybe thought of our national anxiety, uh, or sorry, not anxiety, identity, and with the idea that there's security. Remember that Mad Magazine um, character, Alfred E. Newman, and his famous words, what? Me worry? Now, there are times when worry is the worst thing for us to do, and I'm not saying we should be worried about the return of Jesus. I don't think worry is how we respond to this or how we react to it, but the world neither watches nor waits nor worries, expecting there's plenty of time, expecting there's no problem that they would face. And they sleep as if there's peace. This is what Paul gets to with the whole idea of light and darkness. That there's sleeping, resting, and no concern. Not that we want to be tossing and turning or want anyone else to. But we are in this dark world. And while we are and darkness abounds, we need to maintain our readiness. And we need to offer even warning for those who are relaxing as if there's peace and security in this dark world. See, the world can be a very dark place. Verse 7 said, for those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. We've experienced night. And not just in the, the real kind of physical sense of the earth turning and the sun is on the other side and it's dark out there. We've had our share of darkness, right? We've had our share of the darkness of the world impacting us. Crime statistics, being what they are, show us that at night things happen. And it's not just the darkness of night, it's the darkness of sin and evil that is around us and even affects us. This darkness that is sometimes palpable. I remember as a, as a kid, I, I was afraid of the dark like most kids are. I always wanted to have the, the hall light on when I was going to bed. It was a light that was above the landing on the staircase, and, and so that light would reflect off the wall at the top of the stairs and into my room. And, and I remember I, I would always want my door open and the light on so that I could see. If I opened my eyes in the night, I could see what was around me. 
There, there were times when the light from the barn would be on and it would shine through the trees and into the window and the breeze would be blowing and the branches of the trees would cast a shadow on the wall and they would, they would move. And that was a little scary. And I remember having that fear and, and not liking to have very dark conditions, really ever. Now, <laughs> now I prefer a very dark room for sleeping. The fear of the dark that we have when we're young, or most of us share when we're young, can turn into a fear of darkness in our lives, that fear of the, the dark alley someplace, where we're unsure of our surroundings. But we can also become accustomed to the dark. When we're in a dark place, our eyes can adjust. We can begin to see things. If it's dimly lit, we can make out among the shadows. We can see what's around us at least a little bit. And we can get used to that darkness. And in this dark world, sometimes our lives adjust. And we become accustomed to the darkness and accustomed to the sin and the evil that surrounds us and then even affects us. We can even become accustomed and used to the darkness within ourselves to the point where it seems acceptable, it seems okay, because we're used to it. We ignore it. We, it's kind of like hitting the snooze. Any snoozers? When the alarm goes off, do you, do you hit the snooze? I don't know who chose nine minutes. It's the time for the snooze. That's all adjustable now if you're using your mobile device for your alarm clock. You can choose the amount of time you have for the snooze, but somehow nine minutes was chosen a long time ago. Sometimes that seems like what we do, right? We snooze. We want to just stay comfortable and wrapped in our own situations, not trying to get up and face the day. But the word from 1 Thessalonians tells us don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable in this darkness. And in order, in order to overcome that darkness, the Son of God broke in. Broke into the darkness. Words that might be familiar from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness... On them a light has shone. This land of deep darkness, this land of brokenness and sinfulness and death and destruction and all that we are facing, the light of the Son of God has broken in. A song that we sing in worship sometimes has this lyric, Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. See, Jesus didn't just come to, the, to break into the darkness of this world. He descended into the darkness of hell, of separation from God the Father, of death itself, and he broke in and shattered it, destroyed it, overcame it, and rose in glorious light. The death of 
the Son of God. Disrupts the darkness. It's the light of dawn. A line from Romeo and Juliet, what light through yonder window breaks. What light through our Savior breaks into this world. It's the light of his grace and his glory come to to separate us out from this dark world and to surround us in the light of his love. Yes, at night there is fear, there is crime, there is evil. But when the sun rises, everything seems better. We feel safer. The light of Christ has come. And we are children of the light. Verse 5 says this, You are children of light, children of the day. That happens because by the grace of Jesus we receive salvation. See, that light didn't just break in to make us squint and turn away. You know, when you're in the dark and the, and the light suddenly comes on? When maybe somebody doesn't know you're, you're in a, a dark room, maybe laying down, and they walk in and oblivious to the situation, turn on the light that's right above your face. Ugh. The light of Christ has broken in and has suddenly come already into this dark world. But it's not to make us squint and turn away. It's to wrap us in that light and make us children of the light. By the grace of Jesus, we receive that salvation. Verse 9 told us, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus. And so we have hope. Even with this idea that judgment is coming, we have hope. Because this is what we know. Our sins are forgiven. This is what we know. Verse 10 reminds us, he died so that we might live with him. That we might live for eternity with him. The book of Revelation talks about the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven and this new creation that God is going to make, new heaven, new earth, And a newness for us as well. This is all what is to come with the second coming of Christ. And God will be in their midst. They will need no sun or moon or light. Because God will be in the midst of the city and will be the light. The light is coming. And so even now we can live in the light. Since we belong to the day, verse 8 says, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. There's echoes here of the whole armor of God that's described elsewhere. The Apostle Paul, as he's writing to Thessalonica, knew that people would would understand what that looked like. Roman soldiers were in the communities where these people lived, and certainly in Thessalonica, they would understand what he was referring to, the helmet and a breastplate. These are, these are defenses for the soldier, right? To guard the heart and the mind. The word of God, which gives us hope and salvation, guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we live in faith and hope and love protected against the temptations of darkness, protected against 
the darkness that can surround us and affect us, our hope remains. And armed in this way, protected in this way, we follow the light. We walk in the ways of the Lord, remaining faithful. This is what Paul's talking about. It's not an actual drunkenness, soberness difference that he's meaning. It's that we who are children of the light stay alert, stay ready, stay hopeful, stay faithful, and walk in the ways of the Lord with our eyes open. Open to see the needs of others around us. Open to see and understand the truth of the world's lies. And using what we've been given. Our gospel reading for today is the parable of the talents. Which is often used as a a motivation for our giving of our time, our talent, our treasure. Which is appropriate and it makes sense. But recognize in there that that the parable is a lot about the return of Jesus. The beginning of it is, is the master is going to leave and come back. And while he's gone, the servants receive these talents. Or at, on his departure, the servants receive these talents. A talent is a, a large amount of money, actually. So the one who had five talents, that's quite a bit that he then invested and used and traded with in order to earn more while the master is away while we're waiting for our Lord's return our calling is to use what we've been given for his purposes that's how we walk in the light that's what we do with what we've received with what we've been given we use it or lose it that message is built into this parable as well because the one who just buried it in the ground lost it. The faithfulness that he calls us to is to be faithful even in small things, to be faithful in what we've been given, to be faithful according to his word and his purpose and his plan for our lives while we wait with an eye on what is to come. So we're not going to just, you know, circle the wagons and wait for the return. That's happened from time to time as someone figures out a date. There have been a few famous ones. I think there was one in about 2012, right? And yet here we are. And there have been others along the way that it's going to happen in this particular year, maybe in this month. And so let's just all gather up and wait. Let's go on the mountaintop mountaintop and wait. That's not what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to be down in the valleys shining his light into the darkness, reflecting his light into this world and encouraging one another. Verse 11, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You're already doing. Build each other up. Who needs a word of hope? Who needs a word of encouragement? Who needs to know that they're missed? among us. Now, we can't see everybody that's among us today. Not right now. But who needs to know that they're cared for, that they're loved, that they're valued, 
Who needs to know that the darkness that may feel like it's encroaching doesn't win? We're children of the light. By the grace of Jesus in our lives, we are children of that light. And the darkness will be overcome with the light of Christ. Jesus is coming. We'll be ready as we watch and wait in hope. Amen.